I'm going to read from Plato's Symposium, the part of Diotima's speech, which is in response to Socrates' question about love. And Diotima, for those of you who may not know, is a lady, a woman of great wisdom, from whom Socrates learns about the mysteries of love. And I'm going to read from page 92 in this uh, Penguin Classics edition of the Symposium. So far, Socrates, I have dealt with love mysteries into which even you could probably be initiated. But whether you could grasp the perfect revelation to which they lead the pilgrim if he does not stray from the right path, I do not know. However, you shall not fail for any lack of willingness on my part. I will tell you of it, and do you try to follow if you can. The man who would pursue the right way to this goal must begin, when he is young, by applying himself to the contemplation of physical beauty. And if he is properly directed by his guide, he will first fall in love with one particular beautiful person and beget noble sentiments in partnership with him. Later, he will observe that physical beauty in any person is closely akin to physical beauty in any other, and that if he is to make beauty of outward form the object of his quest, it is great folly not to acknowledge that the beauty exhibited in all bodies is one and the same. When he has reached this conclusion, he will become a lover of all physical beauty and will relax the intensity of his passion for one particular person. Because he will realize that such a passion is beneath him and of small account. The next stage is for him to reckon beauty of soul more valuable than beauty of body. The result will be that when he encounters a virtuous soul in a body which has little of the bloom of beauty, he will be content to love and cherish it and to bring forth such notions as may serve to make young people better. In this way, he will be compelled to contemplate beauty as it exists in activities and institutions and to recognize that here, too, all beauty is akin, so that he will be led to consider physical beauty taken as a whole a poor thing in comparison. From morals he must be directed to the sciences and contemplate their beauty also, so that having his eyes fixed upon beauty in the widest sense, he may no longer be the slave of a base and mean-spirited devotion to an individual example of beauty, whether the object of his love be a boy or a man or an activity, but by gazing upon the vast ocean of beauty to which his attention is now turned, may bring forth in the abundance of his love of wisdom many beautiful and magnificent sentiments and ideas.
until at last, strengthened and increased in stature by this experience, he catches sight of one unique science whose object is the beauty of which I am about to speak. And here I must ask you to pay the closest possible attention. The man who has been guided thus far in the mysteries of love and who has directed his thoughts towards examples of beauty in due and orderly succession will suddenly have revealed to him as he approaches the end of his initiation a beauty whose nature is marvellous indeed, the final goal, Socrates, of all his previous efforts. This beauty is first of all eternal. It neither comes into being nor passes away, neither waxes nor wanes. Next, it is not beautiful in part and ugly in part, nor beautiful at one time and ugly at another, nor beautiful in this relation and ugly in that nor beautiful here and ugly there, as varying according to its beholders. Nor again will this beauty appear to him like the beauty of a face or hands or anything else corporeal, or like the beauty of a thought or a science, or like beauty which has its seat in something other than itself be it a living thing, or the earth, or the sky, or anything else whatever, he will see it as absolute, existing alone with itself, unique, eternal, and all other beautiful things as partaking of it, yet in such a manner that while they come into being and pass away, it neither undergoes any increase or diminution, nor suffers any change. When a man, starting from this sensible world and making his way upward by a right use of his feeling of love for boys, begins to catch sight of that beauty, he is very near his goal. This is the right way of approaching or being initiated into the mysteries of love, to begin with examples of beauty in this world and using them as steps to ascend continually with that absolute beauty as one's aim. From one instance of physical beauty to two and from two to all and then from physical beauty to moral beauty and from moral beauty to the beauty of knowledge. Until from knowledge of various kinds one arrives at the supreme knowledge whose sole object is that absolute beauty and knows at last what absolute beauty is. This above all others, my dear Socrates, the woman from Mantinea continued, is the region where a man's life should be spent in the contemplation of absolute beauty. 
Once you have seen that, you will not value it in terms of gold or rich clothing or of the beauty of boys and young men, the sight of whom at present throws you and many people like you into such an ecstasy that provided that you could always enjoy the sight and the company of your darlings, you would be content to go without food and drink if that were possible and to pass your whole time with them in the contemplation of their beauty. What may we suppose to be the felicity of the man who sees absolute beauty in its essence, pure and unalloyed, who, instead of a beauty tainted by human flesh and colour and a mass of perishable rubbish, is able to apprehend divine beauty where it exists, apart and alone? Do you think that it will be a poor life that a man leaves, who has his gaze fixed in that direction, who contemplates absolute beauty with the appropriate faculty and is in constant union with it? Do you not see that in that region alone where he sees beauty with the faculty capable of seeing it, will he be able to bring forth not mere reflected images of goodness, but true goodness, because he will be in contact not with a reflection, but with the truth. And having brought forth and nurtured true goodness, he will have the privilege of being beloved of God and becoming, if ever a man can, immortal himself. This, Phaedrus and my other friends, is what Diotima said and what I believe. And because I believe it, I try to persuade others that in the acquisition of this blessing, human nature can find no better helper than love. I declare that it is the duty of every man to honour love. And I honour and practice the mysteries of love in an especial degree myself and recommend the same to others. And I praise the power and valour of love to the best of my ability, both now and always. There is my speech, Phaedrus. If you like, you can regard it as a panegyric delivered in honour of love. Otherwise, you can give it any name you please.